I'm gonna take one, baby. We are back, Take One Podcast, uh, from the downtown church office in downtown Memphis, and we have with us today Adriana uh, Steele, Artez Henderson, and Sir Gregory Thornton, and a special guest who has many years of experience in the topic that we're going to be addressing over the next couple of sessions, uh, which is grief, and uh, our special guest is Jackie Gatliff. And welcome, Jackie. It's good to have you with us uh, this morning. Thank you, Richard. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the reason that uh, we have chosen this topic of grief is because it's relevant to where we all are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also uh, a topic that has been neglected by the church. Uh, I think it's been over-spiritualized that, you know, because of the uh, overwhelming hope that we have in Christ and the power of Christ that we as uh, believers should not uh, be deep in grief and lament, mm. uh, which is utterly contrary to the scriptures, which we're going to talk about. Um, but it's also deeply unhealthy uh, to um, minimize, if not discount, the reality of how our bodies, how our emotions, how our spirit responds to uh, the things in this world that we were not created to experience, uh, such as death and and host of other traumas. So, uh, so Jackie, tell us a little bit how you got into um, this um, uh, whole area of grief. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, yeah, when I was kind of thinking about that question um, for today, you know, I can see just the, the trace of God's finger in my life, even as a little girl, mm-hmm. where I was just curious about things, where, you know, I would hear um, about somebody dying, my grandmother dying, or... Something like, and just how you know adults didn't engage with me on yeah, that, you, yeah. you know, and so I, I just became very curious about it, and mm. I just kind of grew up, you know, in decades where there was trauma on TV and you know with wars and that kind of thing, and but um, my trajectory in ministry was um, in terms of chaplaincy. There was yeah. a season where I was um, doing study in end of life care, hospice mm. education. I was working on some graduate work in that, and my bent really moved towards um, bereavement and grief. And so I really think that I'm probably one of a handful of people on the planet that really embraces the hard conversations about grief because I just know that's where God is, you know, and I've seen him move. But, um, you know, just um, but you're right, Richard, we the church has neglected it Mm. and we have slapped Bible verses on it and we have slapped a shallow hope on it. And that has hindered people from really missing what God has indeed, how God wants to move with us in our grief, how he's present in it. Yeah, yeah. And so that's just kind of um, the trajectory I've been on. I did, um, when I, I was telling you when I did my doctor of ministry work, it was my opportunity to kind of put all these pieces together. And so it was my um, thesis was on the soul work of grief mm, wow. and just really looking at suffering and... Um, where God is in it, and just um, re- how we're transformed in it. Yeah. And so that's where the hope is, is that, you know, um, where is Jesus in the midst of all that? And so that's where you, that's the that's the exciting part of where you're partnering, being present with the Holy Spirit, seeing what what can happen for someone in the midst of complete heartache yeah. and grief. Yeah, that's so good. And, 
you know, I think about the gospel and just the whole nature of the gospel is God meets us in our weakness. Uh, it's his power that's made perfect in our weakness. His power is not made perfect through our power. Um, and so, and just the reality of the Holy Spirit, who is the paraclete, the one who hears the cry of his children. And, um, yeah, we've, we've really um, walked away from, I think, the heart of the gospel, um, and therefore, um, we've ignored grief. Hmm. So, that's good. Well, why don't you, uh, first of all, and I should have done this at the beginning, why don't you just introduce yourself? Oh, okay. uh, you're married, you have... I'm married to Mike, and... Um Kids, everybody's good today. Kids good. are married, four grand girls. Oh, wow. There you go. Um, yeah, it's really fun. You I know, we're, we're in a good place today. There you go. You know, but um, have been in ministry um, since college. Yeah. So for decades. And so this is really, I see where this is really my, my vocation now is really in terms of grief work. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, equipping people and just. You know, seeing what can happen with it, but but right now I'm on staff at Christ Church Memphis, yeah. um, and care ministries there, and you know I get to work with a great team of people. Um, but again, you you know you're working with people who haven't understood grief. Right. I mean I don't know about you, Richard, but when we were in seminary, how much in your pastoral care class did they uh, talk about grief? Zero. It was zero. a thirty minute part of a yeah. one hour lecture for yeah. me yeah. on end of life, and yeah. how much work do we do? Right. with people in those situations. Right. And, you know, so again, I even think that we have not been equipped, right. you know, as ministry leaders to be able to, to guide people in it. And so in many ways, we've stumbled into it from our own personal experience. Right. As I was sharing with you recently, um, there was a season in my life, I was working in hospice. Um, we were living outside Detroit mm. and um, I was working in hospice and I was the director of grief services for Arbor Hospice, you know, based in Ann Arbor, but we had three locations around the city. And, um, you know, it was just an energizing time of just being able to kind of move in there and just kind of see what, what can happen. I had a great boss, best boss I've ever had. I was creating grief camps. I was doing this. I was doing that, workshops. I was equipping pastors also in end of life. And then I had a 27-month season in the midst of those days where my soul friend Gretchen coming mm. up on 20 years next week mm. where Gretchen died after um, three and a half years of, of cancer. Wow. Um, she, she and her husband missionaries in Turkey. Mm. Let, she left four little boys, but I was very much part of that whole experience with mm. her. Yeah. Um, and then I was just getting, she died in October. I was getting my feet under me and, um, in December, the day after Christmas, my father had some kind of respiratory event, ended up on a respirator, mm -hmm. um, and was as alert as we are right now. Wow. So he knew what was happening to himself, mm. and he chose to be taken off that respirator. Mm. And wow. so then I was present with him you know, 24 hours later when he just died an amazingly mm. beautiful death, yeah. which does not really happen with respiratory situations. Yeah. You know, so went, went through that, and then almost two years to the day, my mother died. Yeah. of a quick cancer. Wow. And so, you know, you're just kind of spinning in all those kinds of things. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And that's when I, I stepped out. And I, I love the work I was doing, but I thought I can't right. lead grief support when I have my own grief work I need to do. So that's right. when I kind of stepped out in a different direction of ministry where you first knew me. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, Good. so I'm right in there just with the friend and, and the parents, mm -hmm. you know, and just knowing uh, I, I know what that feels like. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's a great point, and I think uh, a good segue. Um, in, in our next um, session, we, as a uh, staff, we're going to talk about our own grief and our own trauma in life and, um, you know, kind of get a little bit deeper into this practically. But uh, for right now, why don't you just talk a bit about, I mean, how would you define grief? What is the impact of sure. grief on us as human beings? Um, and maybe a little bit of what does a path of healing look like? Sure. Um, you know, I... I did want to say this at the beginning. I think that one of the problems when we're dealing with grief right now is that we take our cues from the culture, mm. that the culture is telling us. Like, you know, you'll hear it when there's a tragedy. You'll, you know, like three days later, some reporter will say, well, they're still grieving. Right. Well, hello. Right. Uh, yeah, right. it is going to be a very long time that right. they are, in fact, grieving. Yep. But grief is um, is the response that we have to um, to really any kind of loss, what we're talking about today is really death. Mm -hmm. um, but we often think of it in just in terms of emotions. But no, grief grief grabs all of us. It's very holistic and complete. Right. You know, it hits us um, physically. A lot of people don't know that. Physically, intellectually, mm -hmm. um, socially, it grief affects us, of course, emotionally. And then, you know, spiritually, whether you're a believer or not, it's affecting you spiritually because right. it, you're being challenged just in... Um, and what you what you knew to be true, well, wait a minute. Now you're experiencing something different. So is right. that still true, or is there more to that truth that you need to understand? Yeah. Yeah. I think many people look, and again, this is from the culture that um, we have kind of been um, wired to think of the stages of grief. Right. You know, and you know, you'll hear that. You know, I can't remember what they are: anger, bargaining, acceptance. You know, whatever. Um, but really, clinical study, you know, shows that. It's not stages. Right. Now, in some ways, it's very convenient because we can just say, okay, mm -hmm. I was driving on 240, and I was in the middle of road rage, and where's that coming from? Oh, I had my angry day. Right. Well, then three weeks later, you're in the same place. I'm like, Wait a minute, I've already had the angry day. Right. Where's that coming from? <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and, but so, it's, so grief is not linear. And so right. the way I've really come to, um, to look at grief, we, and it, yes, it's going to be a little bit of a play on words, but I think it captures it more. I talk about the experience of grief. Mm rather than, the, than the, the stages of grief. And I think just the, the word experience kind of makes it more alive. It's more, it grabs all those things about us, not just intellectually working through it. Mm -hmm. And so the experience of grief, you know, we're talking about the first thing. We're talking about um, the first experience is simply acknowledging the loss, mm -hmm. you know, and you, what all those things that come with it. And that is just where we're just saying, Oh my goodness, this happened, and then, and then, and you probably—I I know all of you've experienced this—that you, know, you just move into shock. And I think mm. the more I talk with people, the more I'm convinced that um, shock is God's great gift to us, mm. because it's like all of a sudden we're kind of like in a cocoon, right. and we're sort of functioning. You know, like you'll see it like at, at, at a funeral when right. someone stands up there. I'm like, I did this at Gretchen's funeral, mm. man. One of the best things I've ever done was her eulogy. Yeah. But what did people think? Oh, Jackie's doing fine. Right, right. You know, and you've heard that all the time. Oh, oh well, the daughter's fine. The husband spoke. He, oh, he's fine. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. They're really still in shock. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're kind of able to pull it together then. But along with the, acknowledging the loss, you have these different experiences. You have um, the anxiety, mm. um, confusion, um, you know, panic, you know, oh no, what's next? Um, 
you know, I, I think grief depression is different than our mm-hmm. other kind of depression that we're more familiar with, where when I think about depression and and I try not to be too gender specific on it, but women tend to experience real depression and grief, and it really is almost where they're pressed down. Okay. They're depressed. Yeah. Where, you know, just internally, they're just not walking tall. You know, right. there's just a heaviness there. Right. Um, you know, men tend to experience um, anger and guilt. Mm. You know, why didn't I get my mama to the doctor sooner? You know, yeah. why didn't I do this? You know, just all those Ooh. kinds of things. And women do it too, but you, you know what I'm saying in that. But just that guilt, mm. you know, surely there was something if I had known I could have done differently and I didn't and wow. therefore they died. That's it. You know, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, you know, lowered self-esteem where people are, you know, and I, I kind of think of that in terms of identity. You know, when we think of, um, you know, I experienced that when my mother died in terms of, and both my parents died. I was in my mid-40s when both my parents died. Mm. You know, and that's kind of young to have that happen. And all of a sudden I'm going, "Mm, technically I'm an orphan. Right, right. But I'm a grown woman with kids, you know, married, you know, but but my identity changed. And so it's like you're kind of weighing that. Yeah. Um, a big thing that happens, in, you know, just in this first experience is um, preoccupation, distraction is huge. Wow. You know, where, um, and this is the, you know, the best way I can describe it, and you've all had this experience where you're sitting at a stoplight and your brain goes thinking about, you're really not even sure what you're thinking about. All of a sudden, you're through the green light, and you wonder, did I just run a red light? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, I just went with the flow. Yeah. But you weren't attentive to what's in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had that happen just recently with some things we dealt here in Memphis. All of a sudden, I was sitting a light in Memphis, and I was going to turn right, and the person behind me honked at me, really, as it was turning yellow. I thought, that's pretty amazing they didn't honk when yeah. it was green. <laughs> right. But but I realized, oh my gosh, my brain was over there. Jackie, you need to pull back together. You're Your driving. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But again, wow. we just become preoccupied and just so easily distracted. And a big thing that really needs to happen is we need to be, at this point, we want to retell the story. What happened? Mm. You know, and then... Um, T- just talk about to- that. Why do we need to do mm-hmm. that? Um, you know, I think it's really a really good hallmark of, of yeah. this stage of grief where you're getting it out. It's like when we mm. verbalize it, we're, it's almost, not, if, if I'm saying it to you, Richard, it's like I'm testing you. Right. Did that really happen? Right. And you say, yeah, it did. Yeah. And so then I may say the, say the same story to you, and you're saying, yes, that that's what happened. I think it's kind of saying, yeah, what you, yeah. Yeah. This is this is really what happened. But when I do grief groups, typically um, people are coming, I'll talk about this later, like, you know, four to six months later, and I'm convinced it's because they need new people to tell the story to. Yeah, that's right. And people in a grief group are respectful, and they, they want their story heard, so they're going to listen to yours. Right. You know, but it is. It's just the need to tell the story. Yeah. And actually, as your father, you go along in your grief, the story is going to change probably in that it adds more things to it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Nothing is taken away. You're kind of adding more things to it. Right. But that's, you know, that's how we care for each other. We're letting each other tell the story to us. And then there's the loneliness. And the mm. loneliness isn't just that you're sitting in your house alone. It's, it's the internal loneliness. You know, and that's really from the attachment we had to that person. Right. You know, whether it's a spouse or a child, um, a friend, you know, just the loneliness mm-hmm. that they're not there. You know, um, 
you know, as I'm, I'm really reflecting a lot on Gretchen being gone for 20 years. Right. And, you know, I think I said to you that, you know, I, I still feel like my, my I'm right-handed, so I can still function, but I feel like my left hand was cut off. Yeah. And yeah. that there's just something that I just am different. Right. But, you know, there's also some things that, you know, and I think about who would I now be 20 years later if she was still alive? Right. You know, and those are just important things that I'm just thinking about right now. Gosh, right. I wonder who I would be right now if she was still alive. Yeah. You know, but that, that first part just, um, and then, of course, the sadness, acknowledging the loss. Yeah. I always ask people, I say, how long do you think that lasts? You know, and it can be 90 days to a year. Yeah. Where you're just saying, Oh my gosh, this happened. Right. But what does our culture say? Like how much, you know, and people in, in the workplace, they might get three days bereavement. That's right. You know. We, we got to get back to it. That's it. You know, That's you need it. to understand when people that you're working with, hey, they're three weeks into this. Right. You, you know, they're just still acknowledging the loss. The yeah. next thing that happens, we're acknowledging the loss. And then the next thing. And this is always hard for me to tell people is that it can even get worse where you're experiencing the pain, you know, and that's about four months into it where in many ways, and, th and I really think this is because all the support exactly. and that kind of thing, yeah. it, it, everybody's yeah. gone back. I yeah. mean, how many times have you heard, well, everybody's life has gone on and here exactly. I am. Yeah. And so in some ways you're able to experience the pain. Mm. One place yeah. where that was really clear to me, that, and this was, um, you know, a while back, but a friend of mine, her son was killed riding his bike in a mm. mall parking lot. And it was just an accident. Nobody did anything. I mean, do you know what I mean? It was right, just, he, right. ran, he, you know, he was a 13-year-old kid, and he died of a head injury. Mm. Well, four months later, I'm visiting her, and it's that that point. There were a couple of things that she could remember. She could remember what she made for dinner the night before. Mm. And just that, and it happened to be his favorite meal. Wow. Like, all of a sudden, she's remembering, I don't know what I cooked two days ago. I know. You I know, know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But she also was able to talk in more details about the experience in the hospital. Yeah. And it was so hard to hear it. Mm. But she needed to tell it. Right. But it is, it's just experiencing the pain. And just along with that, it's just more intense feelings of helplessness, frustration, um, feeling like you're in limbo. Oh, no. But, you know, I remember I, I will tell people at the beginning, let me, I just want to tell you that, you know, in a few months you may feel a little worse. Yeah. And they're like, that's not possible. Yeah. I can't yeah. feel any worse than I do today. Okay. That, 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 I'm just. Right. That's and right. then they'll come back and they'll say, thank you for telling me. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're not going crazy. You're that's just right. experiencing just the hardness now. Yeah. Um, what about this yeah. whole, like something I experience is, you know, and we'll talk more in the next session about, you know, I lost my mother, then my stepdad, then my really good friend. Within a three month period, all that happened. And it's hard, it, it's even hard to explain, but the to think that those people are not here anymore is something that just continues to uh, I don't even know how to articulate it, but it's like that, it's just hard to really come to terms with mm -hmm. that I can't call my friend, mm -hmm. that he's not here. And I literally find myself still, I need to call my mother. Mm -hmm. Just a split second. Oh, yeah. So, how, I mean, you know, I asked my counselor recently, does that ever end? You know, I mean, do you ever really, it, I'm sure it's mind-body experience of, you know, the fact that we weren't made to 
have someone close to us and then that person be non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where do you go with that feeling? I mean, right. when you're sitting there, I, you know, Wednesday night was always the night that my mom and I talked on the phone. Wow. I remember that first Wednesday night when she was gone. I'm like, hmm. what who, do I call anybody? Right. Yeah. Right. You know, wait a minute. You, you know, but uh, you know, Richard, this this is this is where we get to explore and go deeper with where Jesus is going to be with us in the midst of that. Mm, yeah. You know, and right. that's where we begin to pour out our sorrow, our grief, our yeah. lamenting. You know, wait a minute. Okay, I would I would talk to my mom. She's not there now. Who am I going to talk to? Right. It would be real easy to fill that space. Right. Okay, I'm just going to. Okay, I'm going to. Okay, who else can I call on Wednesday night? Right. But no, you know, you, how can you use that in a way that is going to um, lean into the grief and acknowledge uh, acknowledging it? Most people just like they say they kind of don't go anywhere with it. Right, right. But I think what we know is that you know that Jesus is right there in mm. it. Yeah. With us, and that's what we get to explore as to what e that phrase even means. That's right. What yeah. does that even mean? Well, you haven't had a reason to think about that until you needed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's such a, a so good. I mean, you know, we are to represent, we are to incarnate Jesus to one another, and the people closest to us um, in the circle are the ones that do it the best, and that's the reason they can hurt us the most. That's a whole other podcast, but um, but yeah, but I think that that is so good that, and that is where I go at times, um, is you know. Jesus is present, yeah. and that's what I long for. That's what I need. And so the reality of his presence has become more palpable in those, those split-second, you know, they're not here anymore. Um, and not in a trite, thin way, but in a more, you know, weighty way, I think. Um, yeah. And that's a gift. I mean, it really is. Um, a gift that you wouldn't plan, <laughs> but a gift that you can certainly benefit from and, and enjoy. Um, yeah. Yeah, we all, as believers, we all want to have that experience of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And the hard reality is oh, man. that the only way you're going to get it. You're, about, you're preaching now. <laughs> is when you are going through that and when you're willing to just, just lean into it and say, I don't... I, I don't know. It's, I think so much of our, the way we engage with grief, we're just saying, here I am. That's right. I don't know where to go with this, but here I am. Mm. And then we don't have to make it happen. I mean, that's no, right. Jesus, okay, that's, that's why I'm here. Well, isn't that weird? I mean, that's the healthiest place to be. Here I am. Here I am. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think the, the loneliness piece you talked about, um, what I experienced personally, and we'll get to that later, but just close friends, even in the past recent years, it's like you said, when the dust settled, the food stopped coming, you know, mm. the text messages, the, you need anything, let me know. Right. And so sometimes I don't like broadcast this, but I will put reminders in my phone with certain friends and certain family mm. members when they loved ones passed away because I know I need to check in on them. Mm. And what I've also uh, learned that it, it's a misconception that, you know, you shouldn't bring up the loss of their mom because That's it's right. like it's going to uh, re-agitate yeah. or reactivate the, 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 the pain. But from what I learned, it's actually the opposite. It's like 
they like when you bring it up because right. it shows, oh, you still care, and it's not like that grief has went away. So I, I, I like when you said the loneliness piece. I, I think it's connected to that. It's like, okay, does anybody care about you know my mama lost or mm. my dad or my mm. you know my sister? But it's when you ask about it a year later. Yeah, how are you doing with that? Yep. And it's completely out of the blue. You know, I love what you're saying in that because there's this major disconnect that we do, and you just you said it, but where we want to care for people, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast where we could just say how to care and how not to care, um, what to say, not to say, um, where we we can just say we want to care for them, but we don't want to upset them, so we're not going to say the name. And the person's sitting there saying, I just want to hear their name. And if they cry, okay, right, okay. But no, they're, they're going to feel that response that you remembered. And can, but we do it all the time. It's like, well, we don't want to upset anybody. Well, why not? I mean, you're not, you're not setting out to upset them. You're, you're aiming to care for them. Right. And that name is right there for them, right there. And you know, to have that someone say it and recognize it you know, is huge. Mm, that's yeah. good. That's good. Well, go into that. Uh, we don't have to wait for another podcast. I mean, what should we say to somebody in grief? You know, <laughs> it's always up for debate. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, and you'll see on Facebook. Oh my gosh, I just Facebook drives me nuts when I see people responding to somebody in oh, death man. and family oh, when they say, "I'm so sorry for your loss." It's just so shallow. Right. It's right. so shallow. I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, it's like it is a distant thing that you're saying. It's like it's your safety thing. Mm. You know, when mm. I write um, notes to people at Christ Church, when I'm you know writing a note and then um, I'm sending them something, um, I'm always naming the person. You know, dear so and so. You know, I want you to know you are being prayed for as you are grieving the death of your husband John. Mm. You're saying the name. Yeah. You know, and then I move into it. You know, anything else that I want to say. Right. The other thing, what you know, oh, oh my goodness, and and I've done it where I just say, oh, let me know if I can do anything for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? They have no idea what they need. That's right. And so it's more like, you know, Richard, I'm dropping off dinner Friday night. Yeah. It'll be it. on your porch. You want me to eat it with you? I will. But other than that, hey, there you go. That's it. You know, and and I also tend to wait few weeks to kind of get engaged on that level because so many people are surrounding right. them right. you know it's like you can just kind of mark it hey in two months i'm gonna say hey i'm gonna go down and do this can i uh, you know I'll, i will pick you up tell me you know, you, and you're not forcing yourself but but people just can't kind of think ahead on that kind of thing yeah. but it really is i mean the rush of things it happens after, you know, immediately after death. It just gets overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But it's like two months out, three months out. Christmas, you, you know? Right. You know, how are you going to acknowledge people that have experienced that this past year as they're going yeah. through those all the firsts, yeah. you know, kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. That's so good. And that's where you were going, Artez, uh, which I love what you said about writing down, you know, putting in your calendar, um, you know, because, and your point, Jackie, that you don't know what you need. Yeah. So that question, you know, I don't know, a hundred people ask me that. Mm-hmm. And I would always, I mean, I'm a pastor, I, you know, but I would always go, I don't know. I, I don't think anything, you know, but somebody that said, hey, well, I'm bringing you dinner or 
hey, I'm praying for you, or man, I, here's my memory of mm-hmm. your mom or your brother. Oh, yeah, or, you, that's you know, good yeah. You know, it's just, you know, when somebody, are, yeah, anyway, taking that initiative. Uh, so that is so good, so yeah. good. I was going to add to that, too, just when you're, a per- like, in that stage grieving and shock, it's like you don't know what you need. Um, you don't even know how much pain you're really in or you're about to be in, as you said. So right. even and like even some people, I could probably just speak for myself. My natural tendency is I don't need nothing. I'm good. That's right. And it's like I'm not good, but that's my natural thing to say. I'm good. Thank you for even wanting to support me. But it's like right. um, taking that initiative to take that next step to 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 offer to show up. And I think, um, like, it's it's amazing to to hear if if I have experienced the loss, and to hear your story of how you how my dad made an impact in your life. Right. Like that's those are memories that I long for and right. will treasure. So um, it is good to um, you know talk about our losses with with each other. Yeah. That's good. The thought about, <clears throat> so I lost my sister. I was 20 years old. Um, I was a Christian for two years. I was involved uh, with a ministry in my college, and I was down in Orlando. And when you were talking about, uh, uh, it was a lady who lost her, her, her teenage boy riding in the mall, mm-hmm. mm. and she could remember the meal that she made the day before. Mm. I can remember the exact phone I had. I can remember what songs I was listening to around mm. that time. I can. Rem- I was on the top bunk. I, I can trace back. If I was to write a book, yeah. <laughs> like right. it could be in very detail. detail. I remember the first person I talked to, the first and last person I talked to that night was a, a good friend of Sir, uh, Sir Gregory Mines, Tony Demmitt. Mm. And the the only words I went down to the, the hallway. I left my room after I got the news from my mama that she said uh, Keisha Keisha was gone. Mm. And we were a year and a half apart. And I went down the hallway, and I went to his room, and I just beating on the door. And he came to the door, and the only words I said that night for hours, I said, "My sister is gone." And so he put some clothes on, and we walked outside to the parking lot, and I'm looking up at the sky, just in shock. Mm. Mm. He just he, he he prayed for me, but he just he had his arm around me. We just mm-hmm. sat on the curb mm-hmm. in the parking lot for at least two hours mm. until I guess I was tired and I had to go back in and and fall asleep. So anyway, it, it's so and we can all go around and identify what was going on. And then the dreams, mm. you know, that new oh, yeah. that, that reality is like I'm seeing my sister in my dreams oh, and I used to get excited. And then I it, it hit me after a while, this is not real. And I gotta wake, I gotta say bye to you, and I gotta wake up. And then it's like the mm. that grief sets in even more. I'm like, man, my sister's really not here. And several years go by, I'm I'll be 34 in a couple of weeks. And it's so many things that has happened since she passed away 14 years ago. Um, you talking about She never met my wife. She never Mm. met uh, her nephews and her niece. Um, She wasn't in my way. It's so many different transitions. And I wonder, I'm like, what would life be like if she was still here and I was going Mm. through these different transitions? And so to your point, uh, it's so deeply rooted. And she was literally my best friend. Mm. 
Like we went through so many life transitions together. And so to this day, like I still, I still wrestle with what, how different life would be. And I look at death differently too. Mm-hmm. Um, I make certain decisions uh, in light of, man, death is inevitable. And so anyway, I know I'm, I'm jumping ahead. We was going to try personal stuff, but what you was walking us through so far, I'm like, yes, yes, and yes. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good segue, maybe a good ending point for this week. Um, and the reason we're, we're about to um, uh, continue the vulnerability, not get vulnerable, uh, is because we really want to convey to the church body and beyond the reality that, you know, this is not uh, grief hits us all, which mm-hmm. Jackie's already told us, um, and yet it's, it, it is something that very few of us know how to deal with, and we need to get better at it. And so, uh, so in the next episode, we are going to uh, get deeper into our own stories, um, and I, I do look forward to that. And so, uh, Jackie, for this session, thank you so much. My goodness, you've already oh, good this exceeded my expectations. Bravo, bravo. bravo. <laughs> that's right. I mean, man, I just got a doctoral class on uh, grief. I've got so many notes over here, and I hope you guys have uh, uh, could agree. But uh, but that wraps it up for um, today. Take one podcast, and we will be back next week with uh, session number two.